by Riverside. Well, 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 we are back with another episode of What the Football Podcast. I'm your host, Conway T. And let me tell you, it has been a hell of a quiet break. Well, actually, it's been a very interesting break. But I'm back here with Ruds and Wade. Um, and they are excited. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it has been an exciting transfer window. Of course, we've had interesting things happen over at United, at Arsenal. I tell you what, I've never seen Wade more excited in my life. Well, more relaxed, actually, sipping on a nice wine and crackers. Wade? Uh, excited to be back, sir, for another year? Yeah, I have to say I'm a lot more optimistic than I was last year. If you recall, I think I had us finishing eighth. So I think <laughs> when I do my predictions this year, I'm going to surprise you guys. I got something in store. <laughs> so we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> nice one. Welcome back. Welcome back. And Rads, of course, you've got uh, Eric Ten Hag back in there. Things are happening at United. New start, fresh go, a plan. It's all happening. You must be also pretty excited to get the season underway. Uh, look, maybe a couple more weeks will help. I think a uh, new manager, new new ideas. We've just got players walking through the door. So not not that keen. A little bit worried about the Brighton game. Let's see how we go. But uh, good news. I got to see my team play a couple of times over the last few weeks. Um, and, they, and they look okay. Uh, they looked okay live. And they look okay on... Uh, on TV, but there's obviously some issues in the background there. There's a couple of, of big names, you know, Cristiano and and so forth that are causing us some grief, but I know we'll probably touch on that. Yeah, I know definitely plenty to dive into today. Of course, um, gents and, and fans, and we welcome you back for another year. Look, the guys are very excited to be back. Last year was a, a good year for us. We had a, a growing following and we appreciate all your love uh, across the socials and, of course, all your comments and emails that you sent through. Um, and we have actually a few um, a few questions and stuff that came through from our listeners that we'll actually go through a little bit later in the show. But, of course, um, we do want to start at at the weekend. We kind of saw maybe the first prelude to the, the season proper. Community Shield, of course, took place on the weekend with the, the champions, uh, Manchester City, taking on, I guess, uh, Liverpool in that game. Did you manage to catch any of that game, Wade? What did you make of it? Did you think it was just a friendly or did you actually uh, enjoy it as a bit of a spectacle as to what's to come? I actually did watch it. I stayed up for it. Um, it was right after we beat uh, Sevilla 6-0. So I was still on a high. I thought I might as well stay up and see what <laughs> uh, what the top two are up to. But now, look, um, kind of a bit of a reality check because, like I said, I was buzzing off our win. But, you know, you watch Liverpool and City and, you know, just they're just they're on another level. Those two teams, and you still see it. I think it's still clear. Um, probably not the highest quality that I've seen between the two teams, but I think that's to be expected going into a new season. Everyone's still really getting into it, so it was a good game. Um, I thought Liverpool were really good first half an hour, pretty much, and then City sort of grew into the game a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, important goal for Darwin. Give him a bit of confidence. Um, obviously, the, the storyline was uh, was Darwin versus Haaland. Um, and then, obviously, your your reaction to Haaland after the game as well. All the 
the silly comments, you know, people writing him off already and things like that. Um, but that's to be expected with bands these days. It's 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 always extremes, isn't it? You know, the minute they see yeah. someone not performing, they get on him and they're calling him a fraud and this, that, and the other. You got to laugh at it, but. Um, now nah, look, it was it a high a, quality. It is a bit nauseating at times. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So I'm I'm kind of used to it now. You just sort of scroll past it and you're like, oh yeah, we go again. It's starting already. Um, but I think I think look, I think both those guys will score goals this year. Um, but yeah, you know they they pretty much uh, picked up picked up where they left off from last season. So it's going to be interesting. Let's see if anyone can close the gap on them. So Rads, of course you got. Uh, probably what most consider now the biggest rivalry ever to grace the Premier League. What did you make uh, of that particular game? And I guess more importantly, what did you make of the two new signings? Um, being the flagship signings that they were, Haaland brought in as a more of a traditional nine and a, a deadly finisher. And of course, Darwin, uh, you know, similar ilk. What do you make of the two and what, they'll, what, what, what will it take for them to adapt to the systems they have to play? You told me, but I thought we were talking about the 4 0 win that United had against Liverpool. <laughs> is that, is that a different, you're talking about a different rivalry. You're going back is to that rivalry you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, look, I think um, um, Liverpool a little bit ahead than City in terms of pre seasons. Um, I know City, I think there was about three or four players that didn't take until because of COVID vaccinations. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's not. It's not hard to identify who hasn't been vaccinated in in the city squad now, uh, with those that haven't played. So I think he's still easing them in into um, into preseason for them. So um, it was a good game. I, I, I don't want to read too much into it. I think it's a it's a long season. We haven't seen any other teams in a competitive match yet. Um, I am interested to see what the new look Antonio Conte Spurs play like. Um, so I'm keen to see whether they are forced or not. I'm interested to see what happens with Chelsea because they look to be in some sort of turmoil. There's some comments coming out from Tuchel that don't sound so good. So, you know, it's hard with just looking at pieces and games to make calls, even in terms of, you know, if you're talking about predictions for top four, you know, it's really uh, it's really pie in the sky stuff. But uh, I think um, there was a little bit of pressure on, on Nunes. The thing is, I think there's going to be pressure on him for a, for a long time because he is the most expensive transfer ever in Liverpool's history, and a lot of these players, you know, some of them don't recover with these big, um, with these big price tags. You know, not if you yet. Look at the, not yet. He is. He's still behind Van Dijk. Yeah, I, I think there's. They pretty much said they they achievable add-ons. So I don't think it's going to be it any question that he's going to be the most expensive. I, th- I think it's like performance, um, so, um, not even performance based. It's like appearance based. So um, he'll end up being the the most expensive, but. It, you know, you look at the list of those expensive transfers and there's a lot that don't really quite work out, you know. So it's one of those where he's a young man, a lot to, to wear on his shoulders. So it depends on how Klopp eases him. I can actually probably see Klopp really taking it easy on him. I, I, I can see him being really on the periphery for most of the season um, and, and really relying on Bobby if he stays fit as the main number nine throughout the season and then him coming on and adding, you know, when you need it. So just so that... You know, it kind of alleviates him altogether. But let's see. Um, I think um, in terms of Darwin versus Haaland, I, I think I think I said it in, in in our groups. I think Haaland's on a different level altogether. I think Haaland. I look at him at, uh, in that Mbappe um, category. I think they're going to be the ones that are fighting for the Ballon d'Or over the next few few years. So um, 
I can't see him failing. I know he never had the greatest game against uh, Liverpool, but even in that game, I said to Connell yesterday, he could have had one or two goals, you know, and that's him playing poorly. So what happens when he plays well? You know, <laughs> he's, he, he looks like a, to be a goal-scoring machine, but uh, it's going to be interesting. And just on that, uh, Wade, you know, I, I've seen highlights mostly of Haaland, but I, I did see him yesterday and I thought, Jesus, this guy is... Uh, He's frightening when you look at him because he just has the build, the makeup, the confidence of just a finisher. He's going to put the ball in the net. I, I definitely agree there. He'll take time, I think, to, to settle into that style of City. He was a lot of the time making very direct runs, trying to break the line. City don't play that way. Um, and apparently, you know, you could see Pep getting a little bit frustrated with some of their play because um, they just went up to scratch. Apparently, as I heard on uh, one of the podcasts uh, around Pep, you could actually, uh, they liberated him and he was kind of saying, how can the players not see it? It's so easy. The space is there, you know. Um, but that's going to take the adaptation. So I guess my question to you is, Wade, who do you think will adapt quicker to to the systems at play? Both players have to kind of change subtly to, I guess, um, the way that they play or maybe learn to play a different way? Do you see Haaland settling in a lot faster to City or do you see someone like uh, Nunes settling in faster at, at Anfield? It's an interesting question because, you know, you read a lot of reports and a lot of the time they say that players need a season to adjust to Pep's tactics because, you know, he's so um, specific with what he wants from his players. So, um, but on the other hand, when you look at the experience of both players, Haaland's been pretty much banging in goals for the last three or four seasons since he burst onto the scene. I think Nunes has had one good season in the Portuguese league. So I think overall adapting to the league and I guess the new team, I can see probably Haaland uh, fitting in a bit quicker. Like Rad said, I also think um, Nunes is probably going to be a little bit on the outskirts. I think uh, Klopp is going to protect him a little bit. I don't think he'll throw him straight in there, whereas I can see Haaland starting straight away. Like there's a hole there, you know, to be filled. So I think the quicker Pep gets Haaland going, the more dangerous they're going to be, whereas Liverpool can afford to play Bobby. You know, you don't really lose much with Bobby playing there. He knows the system, he's proven. So I don't think you lose much. So I'd probably say from that perspective, Haaland will probably settle in sooner. Um, and he's also, where he's at in his career, he's probably well ahead of, uh, of Nunes as well in terms of, you know, he's proving what he can do. He's be banging goals in Dortmund. He bangs in goals for Norway. You know, the, the, the kid scores a goal a game pretty much since he made his debut. I was looking at his stats the other day and it's just incredible. His goal scoring, his goal scoring record. So, um, I can definitely see him hitting the ground running. Um, uh, but it might, they both might take some time to adjust. So let's see how it goes. Rads, I want to dive into this Portuguese-German transition of players because there seems to be a clear correlation in the Premier League. Anybody from Portugal that comes from that league seems to be a success in the Premier League. I can think of the Wolves teams, uh, you know, Neto, you've got um, uh, Neves, you've got Matinho, you've got uh, Diego Jota, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo. You've just got a plethora of players from the Portuguese league that come in and settle in. The same cannot be said for the German league. Um, now I know there's a few players there still proving their way, but I, I think of names going back to, to an extent, Michael Ballack wasn't exactly the level of play he was at Chelsea, uh, at, um, sorry, in, in, in um, uh, Germany as he was at, at Chelsea. 
Um, I think of someone like Hernan, not Crispo, sorry. Who am I thinking of? Uh, who came from the, the striker that came from the, the German league back? I think he signed for Chelsea back then. Back then. Can you remember? Was you Crespo remember? was Italian? There was a couple of players there. I just remember from that era that didn't quite settle settle in. Is there anything to be read into that? Do you think there's a, a difference in the in the two leagues that is that vast? And why is it that the Portuguese league seems to be the one where players adapt faster? I think because in the Portuguese league you're taking the best players in the league. In the Bundesliga, you're not always taking the best best players. So the best players are playing for Bayern Munich. And normally Bayern Munich have first pick in the Bundesliga. So it's sort of a, the next category down, which means there's a higher uh, chance of, of failure. I think there are plenty of Portuguese players that are not come from their top, you know, the top two teams that have not done as well um, in, in the Premier League. You know, you look at Renato Sanchez at one point, it was the biggest thing in, in Portugal. He's come through into the Premier League, came through Swansea and he was a disaster there. Um, there's that, um, that young striker that Wolves bought. Um, I think they club record they they paid for him. He he hasn't done nothing, so he's gone on loan this year. So there's plenty of failures from the Portuguese league. I think um, with Haaland, the one thing is he was coveted by all the teams. You know, he was coveted by Bayern Munich, he's coveted by Madrid, PSG, Barcelona. All the teams wanted him. So um, you know, I, I can't see um, you know that that comparison. I think it's it, it is sort of a, a stereotype. Um, I think there have been plenty that have come from the German league that have done well. Um, I think the player you might have been talking about before was Andre Schoeller. Um, is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, Schoeller. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there, there, there are plenty that have been a success. I think those that are in question at the moment, you know, you've got Kai Havertz, who was, um, you know, one of the biggest prospects in German football. Um, he's done okay. He's, 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 you know, he hasn't um, shot for, for the stars yet. But I think he's he's gonna he's a starter for Chelsea. He's he's a good player. He's he scored in the Champions League final for them. Um, you know he scored some big goals. He's playing through through the middle with when he when he's not really a centre forward. Um, so I think he's one that that is I think is some sort of a success. And I think Vern has probably been used wrong in that team. I think he's probably was a wrong fit in the first place. Um, but. Yeah, I think it's it's too much of a of a stereotype to to call it out. I think um, you know there's plenty that have come from the German league. You know, didn't Klopp buy a couple from the German league um, that have done well? Um, isn't Ibrahim Konate from the German league and isn't he done well for for Liverpool? You know, I think there are examples of 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 the transition where it's worked out well. So, yeah. Well, it certainly will be interesting to see uh, the settling in of those two strikers and I guess where they, they kind of go. I guess uh, back to that Chelsea one, Rads, you know, we had um, we had Moni, uh, shout out to Moni, a resident Chelsea fan, ride in and give a, a couple of views, guys, and maybe we can talk about this. I put a couple of questions to him around Chelsea's new owners. Uh, his response was, so far the new ownership hasn't disappointed. They've promised to continue to strengthen the squad and have done so with Sterling and Koulibaly. He believes that the two big signings are quality. However, he does think that Chelsea need another centre-back and an out-and-out striker. He said Gallagher will be like a new signing for them. Um, His expectations for the season is not as optimistic this year as he was last year after they won the Champions League. He said not until we bring in cover, um, the important players we, we, we've lost, like Rudiger and Christensen. 
he said he reckons third or fourth will be the the measure of success for Chelsea and maybe a good Champions League run. So Wade, well, what do you think about those comments in terms of I guess the new Chelsea ownership, the the two signings that they've made? You know, Sterling swapping the empty hard for for the plastic waving flans over at Chelsea, and of course Koulibaly, who's a um, you know he's been in Italy for a number of years now, making his way across to the Premier League. Yeah, look, I think the signings have been decent. Um, but just going back to last season, I think when they bought Lukaku in, a lot of us were thinking, wow, Chelsea could potentially break up that top two or at least disrupt them a little bit, you know, and it didn't work out. So for now, so for their fans now to be saying that, you know, third or fourth, you know, that's a decent season, that sounds like regression to me, if I'm being completely honest, especially after winning the Champions League, you know, going in, like we said, going into the uh, last season with all that hype. I think Rudiger's a big blow. Uh, Rudiger was excellent last season for Chelsea. I mean, one of the best centre-backs in the league, right? Koulibaly... I know a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about him in the same breath as Van Dijk, you know, one of the best defenders in the world. Can't say I watch Napoli much. So he could still be on that level, but he's he's an unknown at this stage, right? He hasn't played in the Premier League yet. Plenty of experience. I get that. I know Rads was saying, you know, he's played for Senegal and all that, so he'll be okay. Um, I don't know if I if I sort of will make that sort of uh, statement, but let's see how he settles in. He's, he comes with a big reputation. Uh, Sterling, you know, we had a, a big debate about Sterling. I think Sterling's a decent player. Um, is he going to ch- take Chelsea to that next level and make them, you know, really break up that top two or title contenders? I don't think so. Not for me, you know. So I think what's happened is, um, you know, Bowley's come in. He thought he could come in and, and make all the, the calls and do all the negotiating himself. I think he's finding it's a little bit tough. Because the way I look at it, uh, as soon as uh, one of the players has been linked with a, a big team, all of a sudden Chelsea are making bids for them. There doesn't seem to be a clear strategy or clear plan like you see from other teams. So I think he's finding it a bit tough. He came in and he sacked a few people and, you know, tried to stamp his authority on the place. But it's still early. The window hasn't closed yet. There's still a good month left or so. They might make more signings. But at this stage... You know, with the comments that Tuchel's making, that they're not ready, he doesn't know who's going to be here, players want to leave. It's not good. It's not sounding good for them at all. So, I mean, to say third or fourth is a decent season, you know, are the owners going to be as patient with Tuchel? You know, I know Roman Roman wouldn't stand for that. You know, if that was yeah, but, if that was the case, he'd be out the door. But let's see what Bowley goes if he yeah, persists wait, with Tuchel. Remember, so. Mr. Wimmer, this was a club in turmoil, bro. You know, at one point we thought, they weren't able to open the gates, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, with the whole Roman situation. And yeah. off the back of that, you know, a number of players wanted out and, and you know, became sort of a toxic club in, in, in some ways. So I think it's not unre- unreasonable for fans to be saying, look, we've coming off, you know, a season where we didn't, we had a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what was going to happen with our mm. club. We finally sold it. We've got new owners. There's a, there's a transition. And it was not so much that, that people got sacked. Just, I think it was a natural uh, sort of progression as as you got new owners and new ideas, the, those that were there in the high up positions got to move on um, because they'll be in conflict with new ideas and new views. It's it's bad timing because in terms of negotiating and transferring uh, and bringing transfers, they've lost those that skill set, which is why now it looks like they're throwing darts at a board. Um, you know, Tuchel has said to to the owners that they're in desperate need for quality in the in the in the team. 
and and they brought in two and he's happy with the two because that's not enough. We need a lot more, a, a lot more than that. So um, I think they will. So what is he good. saying? What is he saying about the players that they have? Because I think of the signings that they've made: these Havertz, Ziyech's, the Pulisic. Is he is he so essentially saying these players are not good enough for you? A lot that one out. So Ziyech wants out. Werner wants out. Um, Espelicueta wants out. Marcus Alonso wants out. So there's a there's a long list of players. Even Pulisic is a question mark and whether he's um he's gonna continue there. So I think he's they're happy to let them leave as long as they can bring in quality players. So um that's where you know I think Chelsea are gonna be pretty active in the next few weeks. I think um you the know, thing is though, Rods, what 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 we're seeing though is it seems like players are turning them down. Seems like players don't want to go there. That's the vibe that we seem to be getting, right? They're going yeah, in for players. Because, players because are injecting them, and you know, so it's, that, that's what I'm saying. I think I'm asking the question: Has Bowley bitten off more than he can chew by coming nah, in and trying Bowley to take control naive, of everything? Is Bowley being naive because it's the same thing that happens with Woodward? Because what happens with these players and his agents? They give them a sniff because they want yeah. these other teams to jump. So, so I've got no doubt that all these players are saying to Chelsea. We're interested, putting a bid will come. And then as soon as Barcelona stick their head up, they say, thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for drawing them out, but I'm going to go to Barcelona. So they've been yeah. used in the market. And that's just about understanding where you are. I mean, Woodward, you know, that happened for him for a long time. Chelsea were really good operators. That never, ever happened to them. Chelsea knew their targets. They, you know, with, with Roman, you know, they could do things in the market that no other team can do. So with, with yeah. Chelsea, they would pay their full fee of a player up front. They, you know, so in terms of negotiations, if I'm saying to a club, I'm going to give you 50 million up front, I'm not giving you 50 million over a six-year period or whatever the period is, they're going to say, well, Chelsea, come along, take the player. You know, so I think they've they've lost that. But the other problem they have is because Roman is not going to be backing him like the way he was. Ooh. The new owners have put money aside for this transfer window to make a splash. I think it's about 200 million someone was estimating that they put aside. It also means that they might not have those funds in following transfer windows. So this is actually quite a big window for them. So it's really um, they've got to they've got to keep throwing it out there. It's just, just you know when you when you naive in there and you and you're getting told, hey wait, give me a call. I'm gonna come. You know I'm, I I want to play for you. And then when uh, when I'm when I'm putting the money there and they're jumping somewhere else. You've been used. There's nothing else you can do about it. I have to well, say, Wade, it does bring a, Wade, does bring a thing... smile to my face because uh, yeah. they went from Rafinha to um, who was the centre-backs they were linked with, uh, Kunde, and now they seem to be down to Fofana for $80 million. So I'm hoping uh, $80 million of that $200 million budget can go for Fofana because I'll be <laughs> laughing. I'll be absolutely <laughs> laughing if that's the case. Yeah. Well, I think I think the listeners will agree. If there's anybody who would know what it feels like to be used in the transfer market as a bargaining chip, it's a Man United fan. Yeah. So, Rads, we can definitely, <laughs> definitely take your word for that one. Um, shifting gears, I guess, uh, moving on to one of our other listeners that have sent in. Uh, where is he? Yes, it was uh, Brent Taylor. Of course, he is a Liverpool fan and also my uh, dear brother all the way over in South Africa. But he did send over a list of what he thought was, uh, I guess, the expectations of the season from his perspective and what he thinks about um, in terms of the, the league. So he said, expect Liverpool's competing with City again. The gap is still quite big to the rest. He says Spurs could be a threat with some of the signings that they've made. 
And as Wade always alluded to, the Conte factor. He is concerned about the injury status of a few players within the Liverpool squad. I believe the injury list is now up to 10, uh, including the likes of Jota um, and Ox, of course. Um, He said it's going to be an interesting year and a disruptive year with the World Cup, which he thinks is actually going to cause a little bit of an anomaly within the season. We could see some strange stuff happening. Um, He would like to see another signing in midfield. However, Cavallio and Elliot look good but need time to adapt. Um, Nunes looks decent, but he wants to see what role Klopp plays him, and I adapt to the EPL. Overall, he was impressed with the performance from what he saw. I guess I'll ask the questions again to you guys, but um, expectations weighed on, on Liverpool this year, obviously going close last year on, on four trophies, You know, losing out two on the basically the two last days of the season. Do you see a similar season unfolding for Liverpool in terms of competing across all competitions? And what are your, what do you, where do you see Liverpool finishing? I guess overall, come the end of the year. Yeah, I don't think my views have changed too much from last year. To be honest, I think there is still that gap between the top two. Um, as I said earlier, uh, they made some good signings. You know, Nunes comes in with a, a good reputation uh, based off his season last year. A um, couple of decent signings, other signings as well that have come in. Um, I think the aim will be the same for Liverpool. They'll be trying to win everything again. You know, the question is, can they get over that hurdle, which is City, um, who I think have had a, a fantastic window, uh, adding in Haaland. That's a, like Rads was saying earlier, I agree with him. That's a Belondo or caliber type of player. You know, so a lot of it might come down to, um, you know, how quickly does Nunes hit the ground. Um, but clearly... Clearly, there's still space between the top two and the other teams. So the goal doesn't change too much, I don't think, for Liverpool. I have a sneaky feeling it's not going to be a 20-point gap this year. I think there will be some ground that's made up. Um, who makes up that ground will be up for debate. But um, I still think there's there's still a bit of space between Liverpool, City, and the rest of the league. So I think it'll be BAU for Liverpool again, like it's been for the last four or five years. So... They'll be aiming to win everything for sure, and they'll be in with the shot as well. Rads, your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I think City are clear favourites. I think there's, um, I think Liverpool might be the closest um, challenges to them, but I, I do think there's a clear favourites. Okay, they must have won the league by twenty points last year. I think um, Klopp called him favourites as well last week, did he not? Um, no so, one's denying that they're favourites, but Claire is so, yeah. a very very I hard think, word yeah. to use yeah, I, when the I, league I, I, ended with by one point. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think um, if you ask nine out of ten people, I'm pretty sure nine would say City, but maybe I'm wrong. But I think they're clear favourites this year again. I think um, ten out of ten would say they're favourites. I'm just saying clear favourites is a strong phrase to use. <laughs> Come on, bro. What you mean? If favorites is favorites, I think they're clear favorites. I think I think sometimes you can have I favorites think that are Rans just is favorites. What trying to say is, if ten out of ten people say they're favorites, they clear favorites. They clear, they're favorites. clear favorites. Okay. Yeah. If it was six out of ten, I'd be like they're just favorites. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think um, the real unknown for me is Spurs because you know they've done exactly what Conte wanted. They brought in the targets he wanted, so he's, he's not complaining at all. Normally. You know, Conte, when he was at Inter and Chelsea, he was complaining one way about the players that he wanted and the players he didn't get. Now he's been very quiet. Now he's been he's just been working. You know, they, you hear the tales about them being run to the ground in in um, in Asia and 
and all the war stories about how hard they're working and how fit they've been and all the stuff like that. So I'm just curious to see how they play. But like I say, they they can come on in game week one and they can and it can be a shambles. So it's really a, a big question mark. Just on paper, that's the one who I think could be as as close um, to disrupting. I don't think anyone else can disrupt that that, that top two. Um, so you agree with Brent that it's probably Spurs most likely. Most likely, yeah. I, I can't see I, what 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 we just spoke about Chelsea. Um, you know, I, I can't see it. Even if they come and sign Neymar, and all, I think there's there's a little bit of of work to be done in the background at Chelsea um, and Arsenal. I think Arsenal can do well and still finish fifth or sixth. Um, I think um, I think a good season for Arsenal is as I said to Wade yesterday is a, is a is a close challenge for the top and maybe a, a Europa League trophy um, or or even an FA Cup trophy. I know they've won the FA Cup plenty of times, but you know I think that just cements that. Um, the club is in the right direction. So I don't think the, you know, if I offer that to Wade today to say Europa League and even 60, probably snap my hand off to say, well, we're back in the Champions League, we've got a trophy um, and we can work with that. So um, I don't think it's unfair for me to not have Arsenal in the top four. Um, But it's so early, bro. I think um, it's probably better for us to, I'm all for doing a, an early prediction, but I think we will change it off after the first few games. Wait for the so window let's, to let's shut. Reconvene. At yeah, at least when the window shut too, yeah. so we know who, who's looking like what as well. Mm. But yeah, like I, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with it. At the moment, um, um, I can only see Spurs um, as closest to challenging, even if they're not. So, yeah. Fair enough. I, I guess I give my two cents on the Liverpool perspective, but yeah, I would expect us. I would expect us to be competing again in all fronts. I think the biggest thing for Liverpool fans will be the title. Uh, most Liverpool fans, with the exception of a couple that have an extra romance with the European Cup. But I think um, the league title for sure. I'm hoping history repeats itself. It's every two years City win the league, we win one. So I'll keep taking that if that is the case. This is them going for their trifecta. Um, what? We stopped well, how, that the last you... time. <laughs> How did you? Well, I'm just I'm trying to do that maths in my head because it made it feel like they won it a couple of times in there. Yeah, at the moment. (laughs) Where's the two and one maths coming? Yeah, yeah, but this is the second of the cycle. So the first cycle they won it two years. (laughs) We won it. The second cycle is now. So I'm saying I'm hoping history repeats itself. I wanted (laughs) to ask you on that point though. Is there a little bit of pressure on Klopp to win the league this year, or no? Klopp is winning things. We are competing in every facet there is. Um, mm. Us losing on... Look, we have to be realistic about the end of the season last year. Although that came down to the last game of the season, we all sat in January and said the title's over. So the fact that Liverpool even took it to that last game is is, is a testament to the team in itself. Mm. Um, and then, of course, losing the Champions League final. There's no pressure on Klopp, least of all from any fans, unless it's the keyboard warriors on that don't watch games and just respond to, to certain things. But in terms of overall where Liverpool are, mate, Klopp is under no pressure at all. I think this team, and as you've said before, is when I watch City and Liverpool play, to your point, Wade, they are just it's an it's an exceptionally well drilled two teams. And you mm. can see it. And I think, as you're saying, you're trying to find those similarities with Arsenal, and we'll talk about them shortly. But I don't go into a season. Ivan Bianca, my wife, said to me the other day, are you, 
like, what are you worried about? You know, what the season's going to bring? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, it's not the days of before where it was like, hey, I don't know where we're going, what to expect. I know what to expect. I know exactly what's coming and we are going to compete. That's that's the mentality I go into every year. And this year will be will, will, uh, will be exactly the same. My expectation is we're the top two team. Hopefully we can get across the line. The margin is very small with City. Um, and I guess it's going to come down to who, who kind of, you know, starts well, deals with that World Cup. I don't even know how to, what to make of that eight-week break in between the season. And then the Premier League is the only league coming back where I think a week after the, um, or it might even be less, but a week or so after the uh, actual last games in the World Cup, the teams are straight into the bloody um, uh, Christmas period. Whereas mm-hmm. I think I heard the German league has something like the whole break time for them is three months. So it's it's such a strange year this is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff occur. So we watch and see the space in terms of Liverpool. But what would a podcast be without our number one, probably the polar opposite of Rudds, our number one Manchester United fan all the way from Durban, South Africa, Mr. Grant Fries. A special shout out to Fries. We know we've missed you. The boys have missed you. Uh, they want to hear your thoughts. So this is what Grant had to say, boys. He's made it very clear. He just said, Liverpool to win the league. Most settled squad, in my opinion. City to win the... He's put it all on the line here. City to win the UEFA Champions League, finally. And Haaland will play a major role in that. He said, Eric Ten Hag is a good coach. He sees lots of potential. Um, but he said, even if he has as good... Even if he is half as good as Pep and Klopp have been, he's still two to three years away from a proper league challenge. So he's interested to see what he builds over, I guess, this period of time. He said United will win the Europa League this season, in his opinion. Um, Top four will remain the same. United and Arsenal will fight for fifth or sixth. Um, And impossible. He reckons it's impossible to play Europa and make make the top four, or it's, 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 it's much it's more it's challenging, um, except Chelsea that one year. So I guess he's put it out there, you know, Liverpool on that end, but he's, he, he has spoken about Eric Ten Hag, uh, Rudds, and I guess you've, you know, the preseason stuff is, is part impossible. I guess my question to you is, what have you seen that's different in this preseason about United, and are you excited about what the season holds? Am I excited about the season? watching my team. I think uh, Ten Hag is a very good coach. I think it's a coach that uh, we've signed who's on the up um, as opposed to the other coaches we had signed who are past your best. Um, so I think it's he's a very good appointment from what I've seen. He's got a very clear view of how he wants the game to be played. So he's got a very clear idea of what needs to be done. Um, and he's very, he's very hard on the players. You know, I think there was a game where we were winning and, you know, you're they caught him swearing at some of the players. I think they were 3-0 up and he was still swearing at the players about, you know, being out of position or, or giving the wrong pass. So um, I think he's going to be, it's going to be good for the team. Um, you know, United haven't got um, maybe the the cattle that he wants yet. So it will take about two or three years, I'd say, until he can be competing at that level. Um, but you know, good football is really what the the, the measure of success is going to be for him. So we've got to see um, United, you know, playing really um, 
possession-based um, attacking football. I guess from your perspective, Wade, have you managed to see any of the United games? I must admit I have seen a couple along the way. Um, it was obviously that first game against Liverpool in the preseason, but there were other games. Um, I notably saw, an, for the first time in I don't know how long, an actual way of playing. Um, they were very confident playing out the back. You can see he's already imposing a, a style of play on them, Rads. I think that's fair to say. Um, there seems to be a structure and a purpose to what they're doing. I don't think I've seen... I finally saw a United team that are exploiting the attacking talents that they have within their ranks. Um, defensively, yes, still still a work in progress, and that's that's never going to be fixed. I think def- working on your defense is kind of a long-term play, but you can get your attacking things right. So I, I've seen a, a, a change, um, whether it's, it's... You know, I don't think United are going to be setting the world on fire next year, but have you seen anything there, Wade, that, that, that worries you from an Arsenal perspective or I guess from a league perspective in a direct rival and a challenge for the four? Yeah, I think there's still a massive job to be done there. Um, you know, obviously, Tenag wants to play a certain way. Like Rad said, I don't think he's got the players to implement that fully at this stage. Certainly, there seems to be a lot more intense, especially going forward. I think United have looked um, looked really good. Um, I've watched a couple of games in preseason. I think Jaden Sancho's looking sharp, much sharper than he was last season. So I think he'll be a key factor. Key factor. Seems to have his confidence back a bit. He's got that swagger going that he had at Dortmund as well. So um, definitely going forward, there's some positives to take. But I, I think it's a massive job that he's got on his hands. It's it's definitely going to take a couple of seasons. Let's see what other signings they bring in this year. Um, I think the midfield is still an issue, you know, going in with McTominay and Fred, particularly in that sort of holding role. That's a big weakness for them. You know, how's Maguire going to fear this year is always a question. Um, you know, the striker situation, what's going on with Ronaldo. There's still so, I think there's a lot more questions at United at the moment than there are answers, to be completely honest. So, how quickly can Ten Hag turn it around? Let's see. Um, it's going to be a massive challenge for him, but I still think there's a while to go players to sort of implement his game plan fully. So it'll be a struggle for them this year, but yeah, it's going to come down to how quickly he adjusts and how, I guess how quickly the players take to what he's trying to put forward. So, yeah. I guess from your perspective, Rads, what what is the measure of success for United this year? I know it's a... Uh, it's a challenging question, but what would you be happy come if we're sitting here at the end of May? What would make you a happy, happy man? I actually think United are going to challenge for the top four. I think um, it's not going to be it's not going to take too much for him to improve the team from last year because it was a shambles. Uh, you know, United had their worst season on record, the lowest points total they've ever had. They, you know, the the goals they were conceding and the and, and the way they were playing the. You know the amount of goals they scored. You know was was the least they've ever scored. So I think it's it's, it's not going to be too hard for him to beat what was done last year. So I think that um, you know just by him doing that, I think it takes us closer to the top four. And I, I think um, you know my heart would say yes, and my head is saying obviously no. It does depend on what happens in the in the transfer window. There's a lot being placed on the number six role by him. So he's putting all his eggs on the on the Frankie De Jong. Uh, basket. So he's called it out. He goes, look, he's the player I want. There's no one else. He, If you don't get him, 
then I will put someone else in um, from the team. So I'm not going to just buy anyone in mid in the midfield. Similar to maybe what Liverpool did with Van Dijk to say, you know, we didn't get Van Dijk now, and we're not we're not going to go get another defender. We're either going to wait, or we're going to have to see if there's something else that comes up. So he's not going to just put in someone for the sake of it. Um, you probably will see them get a mid, midfield cover. I think they are looking at players like Fabian Ruiz from Napoli. Um, I think they are monitoring the Tillemans situation to see what happens there. But Fabian Ruiz can play as a number six. Tillemans is not. Tillemans is a is a box to box midfielder. So that doesn't, you know, that's just just United adding cover and adding maybe a better player than 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 McTominay. Now McTominay and Fred are both not 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 sixes. So United need to address that number six in that holding spot. But like I said, um, he's he said on record he goes. Um, I've got a clear view and I've I got a, um, a very purposeful idea of what that role needs to do, um, which is obviously why he wants Frankie. He never used the name. And he goes, if, if we and if the player is available, we'll strike. But if we, if not, he will mold someone from within the ranks to do that role. And that doesn't mean McTominay or, or Fred. I think that means someone like, there's a, there's a few youngsters that um, will likely get the step up. So, um, let's see how he goes. I think, like I said, it's an unusual season because it's starting earlier, which also means that the transfer window is going to be open for much longer. So, um, you know, there's a lot of time left in this window. The, the transfer window closes at the end of the month. You know, so we've got a full month of football. Normally, you, you know, there's one or two games. We can have, what, three or four games before the window closes. So, you know, that, that's a massive gap. But I'm, I'm optimistic. The team's looking good. Um, you know, there's there's a reason for fight for for you know our, our entire front three to fight for a spot in the World Cup you know that that's that's going to be a massive sort of uh, carrot for them so you know Rashford Sancho and even Martial you know they they would all be thinking you know if we have a good run in this next few months you know we can put our names in the in the in the hat for for selection so uh, let's see there are still questions I think like I think the biggest question is the number six Ronaldo. Um, I'd be I'd be shocked if he's still there at the club. So you know, when a player wants to leave, he's called it out. It's just about facilitating what you know what that looks like. It may end up him going out on loan or something like that. But um, um, that that will come to a conclusion. And you know, from from the way Ten Hag's been handling it, he's just been carrying on business. So you know, he's been he's been playing Martial even over the weekend. He had a chance to play Ronaldo in the Letty game with his first team. Put he put Ronaldo in the reserve team, so um, let's see how he, let's see what happens. Look, I do want to I don't want to digress on it too much, but I, I do want to bring up the Ronaldo thing and I, I ask Wade his opinion and Rudd's is a, obviously as your you know he is a club legend icon whatever you want to call him. This has got to leave a bad taste at the end if he does leave um, Wade with the way the situation is going by. The whole family thing with the preseason was a clear ploy to, I don't know, just not be at training, show disinterest, um, kind of <clears throat> making his move that he wants out. What have you made of this Cristiano scenario as you've seen it unfold and play out from your perspective, Wade? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, obviously hasn't ended the way that United fans would have hoped. Um, I know he scored goals last year, but, you know, watching the team play, doesn't really do a lot of work on the other side of the ball. Um, so that was probably a big hindrance for them. I don't think Ten Hag's going to want that in his team. You know, it's obviously a big focus on pressing as well and working hard. Um, but, I mean, it can't be good. It's a, it's a, it's an unwanted distraction, you know, especially when you're trying to rebuild. 
But this is what comes with it. You know, United have been sort of in limbo for a while now. And before you can go forward, when you're going through a big rebuild, you're going to come across these things where you've got to cut ties with certain players. As an Arsenal fan, I'm, I'm sort of used to things like this, to be completely honest, you know. Disgruntled stars on big money, you know, battling to move them. Who's going to want to take him on at this age now and his wages? You know, that's a whole other story. Saying he wants to play for a Champions League team. So it's a drama that they didn't need, um, especially with the new manager coming in, trying to sort of get things back on track. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how United fans feel about it. I'm just watching it from an entertainment perspective uh, on the sidelines. <laughs> so. I said to Connell early on, and Connell was, was, was ridiculing me. I said, United would do well to get a fee for Ronaldo. Because who's, no one's going to take him on that wages. I think so. I, I'd have you know, to agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think would. United might end up paying some of his wages while he plays at someone else. That's how this thing might, might end up paying off. That's, that's not yes. a success, oh, this is by why, the way. This is why that, I can't yeah, handle it. But this is why. But, but the, you got it's an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, because it's a disaster. No I, I get what you're saying. On the one hand, you're going to get a fee. That yeah, ticker box. That not bad. But overall, the if the, the mere concept of bringing that man in in the first place was, been a, a, was a disaster. Yeah. And I'm only yeah. saying that because of the perspective of, are you seriously trying to build a team here for the future or are you bringing a 36-year-old in to score goals for a season? And I'll argue till I'm blue in the face, Ronaldo scored 24 goals last year. It actually meant nothing because you performed worse than ever before. So all he yeah. did was take goals off other players and probably maybe hindered uh, I don't the, think the anyone argue with that players. because the whole season was a disaster. So it wasn't just bringing in Ronaldo. You can say, you know, the whole view of what the season was meant to be. You know, United, were, you know, were meant to push the top two. Were meant to break in. You know, no one realistically, realistically thought United would win the league last year. But everybody, when we had this chat last year, like now United in the top four. I think most said, you know, United third or fourth um well was the call i think um everyone thought united would progress and not regress so the fact that there was regression means it was disaster for everyone at the club everyone had a disastrous season so um you know i think um he wasn't bored to come in for two or three years he was he was, he was bored for that one one or two seasons and that's it to challenge and push um so there's no question that has been an unmitigated disaster but that's why i think you know if all things considered if you had to get a fee in for him that's that's fantastic. If they don't, because if they don't, we're going to be stuck with the wages for someone who doesn't quite fit into the direction of the club. Or, like I said, we're going to probably foot the foot the bill while you play somewhere else. Well, I think I think Eric Tenag is playing a bit of a game with the media too, saying you know Ronaldo's part of his Ronaldo is not part of his plans. There's he no way that. he's part of his plans. There's, there's I think he's saying that there's in front of the media. Hundred percent. You know, there's no manager. Even if it was Klopp, Klopp wouldn't come in and say. Ronaldo's not in my plans. He's gonna go. I think it, it doesn't make even even in terms of good business practice. You know, if there's a, if there's a club that actually does want to pay for him, you know, why would I pay if you if your coach doesn't want you? Yeah, yeah. you so, start devaluing him. Yeah, yeah. in the market. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Anyway, shifting I gears, I do that, want to talk. That, that, just before we shift gears, that there is slightly an element of truth there because we don't have a backup striker. There's no one. So there's only Martial at the club. So, you know, Rashford's playing out wide. You got Rashford and Sancho as a, as a two wide players. So there's really no one else. There's no centre forward at the club. Um, so unless you've only got the youngster, right? Ilunga. Well, he's also That's a wide it. player. 
He's also a wide player, so he's not a striker. There's no striker. The only striker, Ballsburg. general striker yeah. at the club is actually Ronaldo at the moment because Martial is another wide forward who prefers to be number nine. Rashford prefers to play out wide. Um, so there's... Anyway, we'll so see. Are you being linked with anyone? There's a young kid named Sesko. I think he played against... Um, uh, Liverpool played against Leipzig um, or Salzburg, sorry. Um, um, I think he scored against Liverpool. Um, but a young, unproven talent route. And, you know, I think they're looking for something like 50 million or whatever. So um, United will keep monitoring it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if United bring in a striker, um, but it may be, uh, you know, one of these strikers that are, are not quite top tier, but someone who's going to come in and play a role and can, you know, um, sort of like, a, I'm not linking him, but sort of like a Danny Ings type, type of level striker. Um, that might come in. So there might be a surprise in a window on, on, on that front. Mm, certainly interesting times ahead for Manchester United as the wheel continues to turn. But we're going to shift gears. We've saved the best for last. I know he's chomping at the bit to talk about them. Arsenal, of course, travelled to Crystal Palace for the Premier League season opener on Friday. Wade, you are the flagship or the uh, main attraction, main event. Um, with Gabriel Jesus in fine form leading the Gunners' attack. Yeah, I'm, I'm very to the excited Times, going into the season. I have to say, United I haven't keeper, felt Peter optimistic said, in a long time. I'm looking at Arsenal. A very long time. Like, I remember time in a long time, buzzing when we signed Mesut on deadline day um, a few what do you have years to say ago, on that thinking, wow, I know you're excited by the signings. Uh, and then in the, the following seasons, the we never really backed it up to sort of support those sort of signings. You know, it was always a signing here. And a signing there, we never really kicked on. So I think what we've got now under Mikel, firstly, is stability. Um, I think the progress is clear as well. Jesus is coming in. It's a big year for Brazilian players because they're so focused on the national team, right? So Jesus is going to have a point to prove. He wants to, he wants that number nine spot, or he wants to at least be, um, you know, starting for Brazil. Uh, Zinchenko's coming. He's a lifelong Arsenal fan, you know, wanted to join the club as well, has worked under Mikel. I really love what we've done in the transfer window. In fact, as of now, I feel like we've had the best transfer window um, in the league. So I'm super excited with where we're going. You know, preseason is preseason. You can't read too much into the results. But in terms of what I've seen from, you know, the combination play, um, the decisiveness, everyone seems to know their roles. Um, you know, Jesus, everyone's talking about Jesus, but the person that's impressed me the most has been William Saliba. Uh, the kid looks phenomenal. Best defender in the French League last year. Made his debut for France at 20, you know, and it's uh, France are loaded with talent, as you know, um, especially at the back. So I really, really love what we've done. Um, it's a big year for Mikel as well because... You know, this is his team now. This team is very much in his image. Um, the uh, owners have backed him as well. We've spent a lot of money. We we're one of the biggest spenders last year. Uh, currently, we're the biggest spenders as well in this window. So it's it's full steam ahead, but I really like what I'm seeing. Our depth is better. Uh, and there's still talk that we're going to add a couple more as well. You know, uh, Mikel actually came out after the Sevilla game and said, we're still in the market for opportunities if they present themselves. Now, if we can secure Tillemans and maybe another wide player, um, I really, really like our chances this year. So I'm very, very optimistic. 
um, that we can really push on this year. And I, I think I think a lot of people are going to be in for a surprise because the whole fifth and sixth thing that I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about, I feel like that was last year's news. I feel like this t- this team is different now, very different. Um, and you can see it. You can see the way we're performing. So I'm excited, man. I'm super excited. And I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. So um, let's see how the rest of the window pans out. But it's positive. I'm very positive. Currently, as things stand, third. I think with I think we're third. I think on paper we're the third best starting eleven in the league. I don't buy into the Spurs hype for one, but and yet that might be my Arsenal bias. But I've never rated Richarlison. I think I'm actually right on the show last year. I don't rate the guy. I think he's inconsistent. I think he's a hothead. Um, Bisuma, I like Bisuma. Really rate him as a player. But he's going to take Spurs to another level. They've already got Hoiberg. They've got those sorts of players in that midfield. He's a holding midfielder. Not going to contribute to goals or assists or anything like that. I don't see it with Spurs. Lenglet, if you if you look at what Barcelona fans are saying, don't rate him. Perisic has probably got another year. Then he's going to retire. Foster's a backup goalkeeper. This great window that Spurs have had, I just don't see it. And then... I'm, I'm watching videos of the guys running and vomiting on the side and everyone saying, oh, Conte is pushing them. It's preseason, bro. Uh, everyone's running and vomiting. Like, I, I'm not buying into the Spurs hype at all, to be completely. And, and look, I gave Conte, I, I gave Conte um, credit last season, right? I said to you all, I'm worried because of the Conte factor. The biggest threat for me in terms of Spurs this year is the same as it was last year. Conte, Kane, and Son. You also got to add... I don't, I'm, I'm not rating their transfer window at all. I have to be completely honest. But you also got to add Benzema. Might be my Arsenal bias. Time will tell. But I, I love where we're at right now. I'm feeling very good going into the season. I have to admit that. Can he do it in the Premier League, though, I think, is the I question. Think, uh, Can he I do think it in Spurs the Premier have League? made a couple of shrewd signings, in my opinion. I think Perisic is more of a experienced, will give Conte, Conte exactly yeah. he what he wants. I mean, excellent, a, a bit of a stretch. player to the way decent. Conte plays. I'm pretty sure he got managed by Conte at Inter. Um, yeah, at Inter. Long lay, long lay from... He must also add Benton, Kern, Kulisevsky as... As two Conte players, you know, they've had half a season. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you ask me Kulisevsky so or Saka, I mean, it's, 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 it's no Kane contest for me. He was excellent. I think his goal yeah. return, um, someone clicked me, I think yeah. he had a phenomenal goal return in the back end of the it's, season. No, he was he actually up, very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, Arsenal fans and Spurs, is just, they can't play them a compliment. Look, I think it'll be it'll be interesting, but I wanted to ask you, Rads, who has been who's been the standout signing for you for Arsenal? Is it the obvious name of, of Jesus, or is it someone like a, a shrewd signing like Chin, uh, Zinchenko? Yeah, look, I think it can only be Jesus. Um, I'm not sure. Um, everybody, actually, what are Zinchenko's your thoughts on Jesus as a as a? 
I've always found him at City to be, he's in and out that team constantly. Um, whether it be through injury, form, shape, whatever you might call. Is he a, a next level number nine that is going to take Arsenal to, to where they need to go? I don't think he's a striker that can lead you to the title, which is why he, he, he was in and out of the team. Um, I think he'll need support for that. I think he'll need someone just as good as him um, or slightly better than him to push your team to be winning titles. Um, but I don't think he's a top four striker. Um, so, uh, you know, that that could mean third. Um, I think he could get up to <sighs> sub-20. I think maybe 17, 18 goals uh, would be a fantastic return. I think um, that next run of strikers is getting, you know, 20 and above, um, which I think is maybe just a little bit short of. Um, but let's see. You know, but, you know, 17, 18 goals for him, that's that's fantastic. That'll have, have him in the top five um, in the league Man, anyway. Don't, don't. Um, you know, maybe even the top three, depending on, you know, if it's Salah and, and Kane or, or or even Haaland. Um, you know, that's that's a fantastic return. So I've got to say he's the one. Like I was saying, like Zinchenko, I think, is, is a really good option. Uh, does he start ahead of Tierney? Um, now, I know Tierney's got a lot of options. I know Tierney's got a, a lot of a really bad injury record, which obviously is why um, he probably will start more times than Tierney because of the amount of times that guy's injured. But from the Arsenal supporters I talk to, they, they love Tierney. They're like, you know, he's probably one of the best in the league in their view. Um, so I don't know if he displaces him. And then you've also got Tamiyasu on the other side. Um who a lot of fans say should you know is phenomenal, and he was one of their signings of the season last year. So I'm excited. Um, just when you, when you say the names, I'm just getting excited. Yeah, as you mentioned, I think he also played other know. positions. I think he no, has keep been going, versatile. Keep going. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's very versatile. <laughs> so he's 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 a, he's good cover. I know. Um, there's some disappointment in not being able to see much of Fabio Vieira, but he's highly rated. But you know, a young young player from the Portuguese league. Um, I don't know if there's gonna be a lot placed. <laughs> um, but I think um, they, they're really looking for someone like uh, Rafinha um, to supplement that forward line. So I don't know if there's going to be someone else coming in um, of that ilk. Um, you know, I, I, I said I, to I, I would have taken him. I think yeah. someone like Sterling would have been good for Arsenal. I think uh, Sterling and Jesus. No, I would have taken him. You know why? Like, I, I think, think he would have made an Sterling excellent is more backup suited for Saka. To you know, so when Saka goes down, if we had Sterling coming Chelsea, on, I, I I'd be more than happy than that with that, bro. Honestly, I really would. Excellent backup for Saka, in my opinion. So, yeah, I would have complained about that. I would have thought he fitted into your style of play a lot better. Yeah, I just think at this stage, with with the transfer window still being <laughs> open, the moves everyone has made, I think our aim should be third this year. Legitimately, think our aim should be third. So, and I'm confident that we can finish in third. Yeah. So, Wade, closing on Arsenal top four. You see it third this year. And I'm just going to ask each one of you in your own teams. Rudd's final position for United. I know it's early days, but put your net on the block and we can see it again later. Give me the position you think they'll finish. Hearts are saying fourth. <laughs> head is saying fourth. Your what? Fourth. 
Arts is saying foot. Yeah. I think, I think we're, I think we're top we're go with, Look, uh, I'm going off right now, guys. Remember, I'm going off right now. As right, yeah, I actually think United can finish anywhere between four and six. Not, not, nothing above that. Honestly. Four yeah. and six is the cap. Liverpool? Okay. Well, uh, yeah. You've got Arsenal at third, potentially. What's the lowest you see Arsenal finishing, Wade? Fourth. So just keeping in that two and okay. one cycle. Please, huh? So winning the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. As things stand, as they are. Okay. Fair play. Uh, I see <laughs> us winning the league and no lower than second, of course. Like, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> you, just keep, you just keep hoping that, that uh, it comes to fruition, that's all. Because <laughs> if we have a, a third one-point loss to City, I think I will literally drive off a bridge at that point. Um, but yeah, boys, um, another great episode. Great to be back. We'll be on your, we'll be in your airwaves every week. Uh, so, so just quickly before you end, Connell, am I the only one that has Chelsea in the top four? You'll all got Chelsea out. No, I got Chelsea in the top four. So who's your top four, Connell? I think the battle for fourth. I think uh, I think the top three is pretty much the same. Um, I think the so battle Chelsea's for, top three. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Chelsea third. Um, I think the battle for fourth is directly between Spurs and Arsenal. Um, and if I had to, it's hard because I actually like Arsenal and I like what they've done and I like the, what Arteta's doing. But if you can hold a gun to my head today, um, I'm going to go with Conte. Um, and I'm going to do it more on the basis that I just think he's a more experienced manager. Not that I think Oteta's any worse. I think, and I, I'm one that does not read anything into preseason. So, beating Seville six yeah. nil, Liverpool losing four nil to United, uh, uh, Man City losing in the community, uh, it means nothing to me at the end of the day. When the season comes, yeah. it's game on. So I, I'm going to go with with Spurs um, in that fourth spot. Yeah, I'll get them higher. I think they're going to be third, and they like I said, I think they'll be the Could, closest. You know what? Yeah, potentially. Also to break in because I, you know, ultimately Conte builds league-winning teams. He does, um, yeah. you know. So and and he's got experience um, in the Premier League, and he knows. So that back five that he's going to go for, um, it's not tested for him. But he will need, um, you know, City and Liverpool to be off their game for him to be in any any shout for for any league. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's likely. So I think third is probably. Safe bets for them, and I think um, Chelsea. I think Chelsea are still on paper, um, you know, in the top three teams in the league. Um, you know, um, I think nobody was was saying they're top oh, three because the of the outsiders. Cup. Well, and I think you know, Cup is meant to be, thing, but I think uh, wait, no one thinks the Cup was a massive guys, miss for so them. Um, actually, have so, no issue with Arsenal. And I, like I don't know if I in order to relate to as a team. So um, I hope so you do break into think, the top um, four. Yeah, Chelsea are, um, and we'll see how it all unfolds. But we do have to go, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a brilliant, brilliant episode previewing what is to come for the rest of the year. Of course, the Premier League kicks off with that first game. Crystal Palace against Arsenal, followed by the early kickoff of Fulham against Liverpool and a full round of Premier League fixtures. We'll be back on your airwaves next week, Monday, same time, same place. Until then, enjoy the football and make sure you catch us on the socials on What the Football Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, 
uh, Twitter. But until then, enjoy the football and we'll see you again next week.